The following podcast has been made possible by the generous members of our Patreons. So if you like our podcast, you want to join in and contribute and find mountains of other content while you're there, join in at patreon.com forward slash Ian Boltsworth and patreon.com forward slash burials and beyond. Thank you. Welcome to Loopholes episode 9, your weekly esoterotic discussion podcast. Yeah, let's go with that. It's alright, isn't it? Nine episodes, that's a lot, though. It is. That is actually a lot, though. Yeah, it is. I'm quite proud of us. Yeah, same. I'm Ian Bosworth, hello. And I'm Dr Kate Cheryl, hello. All back in order now. I've had a letter this week (laughs) (laughs) saying I can't be going around saying I'm a doctor, apparently. I've been told about it. Now, you join us on rather an odd week, mood-wise, which Mm. hopefully won't pass over too tonally. But just in case it does, I thought it might be best to flag it up now. Yeah. That stuff has been going on behind the scenes that has put both of us in quite a bad mood. Yeah. (laughs) Like dealing with people from the esoterotic community. In fact, do you know what we should do? We should Mm. differentiate between the ghost hunting community and the esoterotic community yeah the the goodies and the others the esoterotic (laughs) community is spearheaded by primarily me but with Kate as a right hand thing oh thanks and and the ghost hunting community is populated by dinner ladies and idiots (laughs) look normally and we shouldn't mix I would pull you up on that yeah. I'd say, how dare you? Yeah. They're not all dinner ladies and idiots. Yeah, yeah, they are though. But now I'm just going to sit and have a nice cup of tea and listen to what you say. And rough lads as well. That's the other thing I've noticed in it. You know, sort of like people that, if they weren't ghost hunting, would be probably mugging old ladies oh, and stuff. God. Which I think. No, but that's what, that's what they give off, you know. They give okay. off a, a, okay. a thuggish element. Do you not think that? The well-known kind of ghost hunty people online and things? Yeah, well, we were talking about this sort of thing this week quite a lot weren't we about this this confrontational approach that a lot of a lot of men really have in the paranormal but i do that in the other direction Mm -hmm. i think i'm reasoned yeah but with quite an aggressive stance (laughs) but i certainly don't walk around like i'm carrying two invisible barrels yeah (laughs) you know it's that kind of swagger to them yeah and also this growing trend with certain men in the paranormal to be wearing pseudo police and pseudo security yeah, you mentioned well. that before. Going into a inverted commas haunted house with some mace spray and a pair of handcuffs. Yeah, like little lads dressing up. Yeah, that I find just odd. But quite big, heavy set, and potentially quite dangerous physically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, is that overly judgmental though? Is that am I going like am I judging someone purely on the way they look? Well, because you can be a gentle giant, can't you? Of course. But, yeah. But there does seem to be a uh, undertone of aggression, which mm. which always gets my goat. Yeah. Because I've been accused of that when that's actually not at all what I've been. Yes, of You know, if, if you actually listen to what I'm saying, whilst I might just go, oh, for God's sake, like quite a lot. Yeah. If you actually listen to what I'm saying, it's quite reasoned and quite accepting, you know. Mm. The fact that we can talk about Ouija boards and I'm not saying, get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm very fortunate. No, do you know what I mean? Though? But yeah, completely. And I don't think it's any great stretch to say that at the minute, there are certain factions in paranormal, in the ghost hunting world, mm that are incredibly testosterone fueled yeah. and, and a bit full-on, which I think doubles up with this kind of 
current demon obsession as well in this concern that if we go somewhere and investigate, I might have to restrain someone because yeah, they'll yeah, be possessed yeah. by a demon from the netherworld. Do you know you what? Know? Even as you're talking, I'm thinking about it and thinking that, but I perhaps prefer that. I perhaps prefer to see it up front and not hidden. Because I'm not going to talk about the things that have happened to me this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to talk about yours or not. But mine have been far more sinister and yes. behind the scenes. Yeah. People being stupid enough to think that if they say stuff about me, it won't get back to me. Because of yeah. course it'll get back exactly, to me. Exactly, yeah. Because you're speaking to people who, who know... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, we, we both have very small circles, so exactly, things get yeah, back yeah, to yeah, us yeah, very quickly. Of course quickly. it gets back to me. Yeah, yeah, of course it does. Quite alarming, I find. Mm. And it's it, it's under the umbrella of ghost hunting ghost business really because that's what the subject matter is but it's quite scary to find out that someone has not only spoke about you but actually successfully spoke about you you know has actually turned people against you that's quite a quite a scary thing yeah it's when school schoolyard things grow up and get jobs and that's when it becomes frightening yeah i think we've both had quite a bit of that this week do you want to discuss your one i can vaguely yeah i think well earlier this week I well I do a lot of talks I do a lot of lectures things like that and people generally willingly sit and listen to me and everyone has a good time this week I was speaking at an otherwise lovely event I don't think it's any great stretch to say that there were some problematic dinner ladies right okay in the audience is that who you had it allocated well, I know when you spoke to me about it, you said it was literally the epitome of what you talk about with dinner ladies. Yeah. Who, yeah. by the way, are the easiest manipulated as well. Yeah. That's another point to this. So really, when you told me this story, what I was thinking was, well, you should have been able to win them round because they're often very stupid, impressionable people. <laughs> <laughs> but you know when you see someone... Could you not have spoke to about Harry Styles or something? Oh, God. <laughs> just, just cut them on the right side of the fence. <laughs> Or just acted all like like you were pathetic. If you'd have acted pathetic, they'd have been all over you in a, really? mother, a motherly way. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. that's a shame then. Maybe I should try that next time. <laughs> Maybe you had too much about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I said, as soon as I, I stood up to give my talk, I looked at them and thought, oh, you're not going to like me at all, okay. are you? And I was I was right. Yeah. Yeah, so they were disruptive all the way through, talking and on the phones. And this was a very small yeah. audience. And then midway through, mimed hanging themselves. Yeah. I mean, this was like an hour before a talk on mental health and support in the paranormal. Yeah. So that was lovely. It's wasn't a weird it? thing for me because I have to just detach and see this as funny because otherwise I will get incensed, furious. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and yeah. it's nothing to do with the paranormal community. This, this is to do with behaviour of audiences and groups and that sort of thing. Yeah. Which you know, I'm pretty on the record as. Yeah. <laughs> Stating my opinions on just general common decency. Yeah. But again, the more the older I get, the more I think, well, at least it's there in front of you. Yeah. You know, the more I deal with things that are snidey, yeah, behind the scenes, yeah, yeah. The more I think, well, at least it's just there in front of you. You know the team that you're playing. Then unpalatable as it is, you know the team you're playing. But I'm sorry you went through that. Well, I think as well, it's because I don't, I don't deal in in stand up. I'm not doing a performance. Yeah, exactly. I'm doing put downs and stuff. Yeah, part of banter and that sort of stuff. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't have breaks where I can do audience interaction. Yeah, you yeah. know. So it it was tricky. Yeah. To then think, no, this can't be a funny break. You are derailing this. Yeah. And then they left, and I got a big laugh. What yeah. did you say? I swore at them and said, and stay out, and then promised everyone else a kitten and candy floss. Did you swear at them? Did you really? Did you swear? After they'd come, yeah. On stage? Yeah. Did you really? I did, I did. You're an academic. I know. You can't be doing that. But it got, it got a big laugh. Okay. Are you now revealing that you really have stand-up aspirations, really? <laughs> <laughs> that, this, 
This is a stepping stone. Yeah. You know, like some people do stand up to become an actor. And you're you're, you're yeah. doing paranormal <laughs> talks. <laughs> That's a stepping yeah. stone to I got my I got my doctorate, so finally, finally I can start doing the open mic yeah, circuit. Please. Well, so that's where we're at anyway. So we are both in... We, do, we just acknowledged it today when we were talking just before this and said mm. we're both in kind of cranky moods. Mm. So I think we'll do the comments first of all. Yeah. I, mean, I think what I'm subconsciously doing is I'm warning the people who've left comments yeah. <laughs> that you've caught us in a really bad yeah. mood. Yeah. Let's get on with loopholes, episode nine. Right, let's go through the comments from episode eight. Let's see what all these idiots have got to say for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, that mood's gone. I'm not thinking that yeah. at all. Uh, the comments are on the up. You know, we've, we've reached a stage, I think, which is a kind of critical stage of comments, where it's going to have to get to the point where we can't do every comment because there's just too many yeah, of them. Yeah, so, which is a lovely problem to no, have. Of course it is, but when it first starts off, you don't want to dissuade people from leaving comments. Yeah, and what you also don't want is you don't want a competition in comment leavers yeah. <laughs> to go, right, well, I'm going to do the best comment. <laughs> so, yeah, so still do carry on keeping in touch and things. Just know it's a, it's a time limitation thing, which I'm making even longer now by explaining it. Let's hear from your comments, Kate. Thanks. Ian. I don't know why I said it like that. That's very pointed. I'm not a dinner lady. You should be nice to me. You know what I said? I've got over my mood. You really haven't. I clearly haven't. Well, I've got lots of lovely comments. Good. Because we talked about digital death last week and there was some fantastic little additions to that. Sophie cleverly left a a really insightful comment. Okay. And she said that when you're chronically ill and or disabled, those sort of like digital games online, like MMOs, things like that, can be really important. And it's not just a social thing, it's also getting to experience being a character who's physically strong. And if you become sick or disabled later in life, you go through a process of mourning those things and you often lose friends. So the loss of a game or character that has enabled you to partially experience experience those things can hit really hard and you experience that morning all over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, Like the wizard in the wheelchair in uh, Nightmare on Street 3. <laughs> he was in a wheelchair <laughs> yeah. and he was able-bodied, I guess you'd say, yeah. in, in his dreams and a wizard with wizarding powers. I felt a bit shamed when I read that comment because I actually thought, oh, I have been overly dismissive of it. You know, when I said oh, it's quite immature and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, last week. Mm-hmm. And then when I read that, I was like, again, to my shame, I was like, that had never even crossed yeah. my mind. Well, that, neither that, of that us. That hadn't come near my thoughts yeah. on that. Yeah, so I thought is... it was a, a brilliant point to bring up that actually it, these games are freeing. And yeah, so yeah, when yeah. they do go offline, it's, it's it's a loss. It's a very real loss, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I talk about feeling things to near grief if things get broken and all the rest of it. So it's pretty hypocritical of me, really, to be... Overly judgmental. I mean, I think part and parcel of it is just me playing for the podcast. But at the same time, yeah, I, I agree with you there, Sophie, completely. On the other end of the nerd scale, though, Lewis Crawford Wilson on my comments said, Digital death is an interesting subject. I've had friends who seem to mourn when their D&D character dies, which is interesting as it's a spoken word game and they could literally just be that character again. So, you know, right. nerds. <laughs> No, I get that completely. I'm being facetious. It's, uh, you, I guess, similar to what Sophie was saying, you are inhabiting it. But last week, what I said, though, is that it still exists, though. So if Orloff dies on your D&D game, yeah. you are Orloff. So whereas the game might go, oh, you've lost a life, or I don't know how D&D works. At all. No, I don't know either. But you're still it. You've not died with it. You're just role-playing characters. Yeah. I presume you insert some of your personality, or you are freed up. Mm-hmm. to be a certain yeah. way and you can just be it in real life well can don't you dream then? it don't dream it be it oh, God. <laughs> 
What wonderful advice, Ian. Yeah, Where'd you get that from? Fantastic. Oh, so clever. We also had lovely comments from Paul Rawlings and Lewis Walker. Yeah. And Rachel Hayward said that the idea of playing a digital race with a character that was designed by someone who has died uh, seems pretty similar to listening to an actual voice or answer phone recording of a deceased person. Right. So I, never, I suppose that's another thing that we never really touched on, that these kind of like digital residuals can be as, as simple as an answer phone recording or yeah. or a voicemail. Yeah. Which I thought was quite interesting. I mean, I have plenty of stuff of people who are away now, you know, plenty yeah. of messages or what have you, and, and I get that. But I do, it, is, is there an actual crossover there with the digital death thing or the... It's quite tangled, this, in my head. It is, it because, is. Because I acknowledged last week and said about the idea of somebody racing somebody who died on a game being the closest... I've ever heard anything to a ghost, really. Yeah. Because it is a ghost, but it is passive. So it's not that that person is doing that from the beyond the grave. No. That's just something that's left behind. Yeah, it's like an echo or yeah. a revenant. Or yeah. Something, so it? it's. I guess it does feel a little bit like it, it might be getting overcomplicated. Yeah. In terms of what it is, and I'm quite quick to go to the simplest mm. line, the simplest thing of going, "Oh, don't make this all mm. supernatural and." Gothic. I know you struggle with that. <laughs> oh, thanks. But, you know what I mean? Like, don't make it into that. It's, this is quite a simple thing that's happened. Yeah. Same as a digital pet is just, it has finished now. <laughs> <laughs> Stop crying and don't bury it. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be brilliant doing funerals. Thank you. But I do get it. Dan Norton said in my comments, having an emotional attachment towards a digital pet never felt any different to me than having an emotional attachment towards a plush toy. Even with one having a physical presence, it still always felt the same due to assigning personalities, etc., to whatever it is. Another great episode, as always. Thank you, Dan. It's, again, my reaction to that is, you know, that's immature as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I get it. Let people mourn the Furby. No, I get it. I do understand it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about it being not a physical thing. It was more about it being not a real thing. Yeah. And as Dan said in the comment, it's assigning personalities. It's projection. Yes. We spoke yeah. about it so much. So much of this is to do with projection. Mm. Which brings us back to what I'm talking about, the D&D yeah. thing as well, though. Yeah. If you're projecting personalities on something, that personality doesn't die with a thing because you invented that personality. Ergo, that personality still exists because it comes from you, not it. Oh, God. If I was desperate enough to pay the ludicrous fees they charge to enter podcast awards, <laughs> that last paragraph would have won us one. <laughs> So let it be known that whatever award this podcast would apply to, we are the moral victors. (laughs) (laughs) James Flux, speaking of intellectuals popping their heads up on uh, on Patreon. Is James Flux an intellectual? I've decided he is. Oh, I see. He brought up some great points about nostalgia and how games and those transient experiences with games can kind of represent the loss of youth and being unable to recapture the feeling of Mm. when you first played a game, Mm. which I think is quite interesting. But he also said that there's also an interesting tie-in between digital death and Samuel Scheffler's thoughts on, and the importance of, the continued existence of humans in our thinking, what he calls the afterlife. I think we like to think of some of our digital endeavours being permanent and surviving us, conveying some sort of immortality, so when they are gone, we lose that aspect of them. Yeah. And also, he did use the word esoterotic in a sentence, so... Intellectual. Intellectual. I had a th- When I, you were reading that then, I had a thought about that, and I'm quite... Again, kind of, this is quite morbid, but I am quite odd about what exists beyond my life. So I have quite mm-hmm. a odd, some would say, contrary stance to that, which... You that, really do, I don't, don't think about it as... 
oh, I would like to have leave a legacy. Mm. I think about it as, oh, I want my legacy removing and not yeah. available when I'm gone. Yeah. I don't know what that is about or why it is. I think that's part and parcel as to why I don't keep podcasts that I've done out forever. Mm. You know, I, I do consider them to be of the, the era they were of. That's yes, a big part of yeah. it. But I do, the more I've thought about it, the more I've thought, I don't want them left behind. Yeah. And I can't control that, by the way, either, because people can rip them and all that sort of thing. I can't control that. Yeah. But from my end, I can. Mm. So in terms of official things, I can just go, no, that's finished now, that's gone. And I don't want that surviving me. Mm. I, I don't know what that's about. Yeah, we've spoken about this before when it's it's kind of your... I've never known anyone really think about controlling their lack of legacy Yeah. after their death. But yeah. I, I also completely get it when it's a case of, well, if you didn't appreciate it while I'm alive, you certainly can't have it when I'm dead. I'm not sure. There might be an element of that. There mm. might be. Um, yeah. But I, uh, that doesn't feel at the forefront of my head with it. So it yeah. doesn't feel like it's a stubborn thing of... I'll show them. It's not, it doesn't yeah. feel like that. But maybe there is, that's underlying somewhere mm. perhaps in me. But I'm not entirely sure what it is, but it just feels like, it might be control, you know. It, yeah. might, it might be to do with not being able to control where it goes, who benefits from it, who, you know, things like that. Which How I guess, it's interpreted, yeah, where it's taken so. out of yeah, the I guess, context I guess of the time. So. Yeah. I guess so. So maybe it elements to that, perhaps. Yeah. But also, because I think you can get quite lazy if you have a big back catalogue, mm-hmm. you know. Billy Joel's a great case in point. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. that you, you just, it, it can just make it not urgent to keep creating. Yeah. So maybe there's a touch of that to it as well. It's, it's a relatively recent thing, like, maybe the last 10 years, that mm-hmm. I've thought, no, I don't want anything left behind of me. Yeah. I don't even want a tombstone. <laughs> well, that's ironic, isn't it? You know, but you know, I want to say, I want to kind of disappear. Yeah. Really. I'm not sure. I'm sure a psychologist would have a field day with it. Yeah. I'm certain there is something bad at the root of this. Yeah. I'm pretty sure of that. But, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. But, I mean, you've also got to trust the people that are left around you to carry out your wishes. Who would this be? Uh, And I am going to have you stuffed. Oh, yeah. So. (laughs) Really? Yep. So. That's not how, um, (laughs) that's not how podcasts work, that. (laughs) Uh, It's a couple more uh, nice comments from Stephen Wraith, Rob Partington, uh, Craig Harrison, as always, Craig Harrison. <laughs> Craig's getting big shout-outs in all the podcasts I'm doing at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a good laugh. He really is, though. Right? Yeah. Do you know what? Craig Harrison is a tonic. I, yeah. I, I genuinely feel that. Whenever you're feeling low about your work or you're feeling like no one's looking at it or whatever, Craig Harrison just pops up and says thank you for it. It's really lovely. Yeah. Genuinely. <laughs> also, Rob Partington apparently says all things esoteric. What? I sign up for esoterotica. Unsub, what well, he actually said, for someone that's being pedantic, he then wrote in caps, unsubscurb. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when that happened in the podcast last week, but one of us must have said I don't know, it. but I apologise anyway. And two other things, Johnny, who we spoke to last week about the Ouija board, very long comment in response, which which is all sound what you've wrote, Johnny. If we get back into that now, that's this whole episode. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> but we probably will come back to Ouija boards at some point because the points you're making, the, the sound. But we, again, I still have counters to it. And it's weird that I'm the one arguing this because mm. I, I think they're nonsense. Yes. <laughs> like, I do think that. Yeah. I think I might be arguing over fairness in the debate. Yeah. You know, just going, well, don't just close it down quite like that because you know X, Y, Z. Mm. It might be that. I'm not sure what it is, Jamie. But thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate that. What it all comes down to really is why would someone continue to believe something that had been essentially disproved to them? Which is an argument I've used myself mm-hmm. many times over ghosts and that sort of thing. I get that. Yeah. 
But the the counter argument that I keep quiet about is why do people play the lottery? Why do people go the bingo? They know going in the astronomical odds yeah. of it being successful. But they, they dare to believe it's that sort of thing. And that's what I think goes through certainly the ghost hunting community and I guess by extension the spiritualism community and, and mm-hmm. contacting the dead and that. That you dare to believe, and particularly when we discussed what we discussed with you, it's your yeah. granddad. Of course, part of you wants to go, please let it be him. Yeah, of you course. Know, you know, of course there is. So, so there, there will be a bias, but it's not a bias that I'm ashamed to have. But you're going in from a smart point of view. I've known people, people close to me, who've been completely turned upside down by people on Facebook who do readings and that sort of thing. You yeah. Know, who've suffered terrible unfair grief who've been absolutely exploited by mm. those people. Yeah. And it gets me to a point of, again, wishing to commit violence. You know, that's how angry it makes me. Yeah. But it's not my place to say, well, to those people, for example, mm-hmm. you know, no, that's not whoever. That's not them. Yes, yeah. I can't say that to them. I can explain, I give examples of other things that have happened, but I can't ultimately shut it down for them because... You know, it's that glimmer, isn't it? It's that glimmer. Yeah, of hope. you don't want to take that away from anyone, especially anyone who's you know in the midst of grief. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a really tricky line to. And to the walk. other aspect of it as well, and this has been true of all my arguments with the paranormal or any of this business, is I don't know for absolute certain. I don't. I'm I'm doing this purely on my own personal research, mm-hmm. my own personal experience. But I don't know for absolute certain, so I can't say definitively to someone that it's not real, but it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) It clearly isn't. (laughs) And the last comment, Greg Shepard said, one thing I've wondered about Chillingham Castle is how much of the success of it as ghost hunting place is in part due to its name. You'd reject that name in a ghost movie script as being too on the nose. And he also spoke about uh, Fort Phantom Hill. In America, like a ghost town in yeah. America. Yeah. Um, I, I I think the first time I heard the name Chillingham Castle, I laughed. Yeah. You know, I thought it was Because it is joke. ridiculous, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So absolutely, I would say, yeah. a, a lot of it's to do with that. Yeah. I'm writing this book at the moment, which is called Tales from Castle Diablo. Mm. And that was a thought process within that. Not from Chillingham, but it was the idea of making the place have a ludicrous name yeah. that inspires something. Yes. And you hear, like, Devil's Hill and Devil's Valley and Satan's mm. whatever. And it, the castle isn't called Castle Diablo in, in the real life of the book. Yeah. That's just what it's known as. Mm. But similar thing to Chillingham Castle. But Chillingham Castle is called Chillingham Castle, isn't it? It's in Chillingham. Chillingham is a place. Yeah. Yeah. Drops on, aren't they? What else are they going to be? Can't be a spa, can they not? No. <laughs> oh, they could be. Chill out. Chill out at Chillingham. Oh. See, I might go back if they did that. Yeah. I reckon they'd have made more money. Yeah. <laughs> and most of it wouldn't be falling down. Just shows you, doesn't it? If you're far enough out of the way, health and safety just won't bother coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, come on, can we need to crack on because I don't want another situation where I don't get to hear for another week about what's his face? Billy Chutney, whatever it's called. <laughs> What's the medium called? Let's go with that. That's far What's better. His real name? Leslie was... Flint. Yeah. Where the hell did Billy Chutney I come from? I can hear. I can hear where I got Billy Chutney from in Leslie really? Flint. Yeah, I can hear it. All right, okay. But yeah, but it's quite a 
convoluted yeah. trip through the housing estate to get there, but I can hear it. Uh, so what do you want to chat about this week? Well, I thought we'd talk about something, because we're both in such a wonderful mood, yeah. something that would calm us both down and yeah. make us have a lovely, lovely chat. Yeah, yeah, so, which is... ghost hunting equipment. Kit. Yeah. The bane of my life. <laughs> Kit. <laughs> I can probably do this quite quickly. It doesn't do what it says it does. Mm. The parameters for what it actually measures have been projected onto ghosts. It's not a thing that has any basis in scientific fact. Yeah. You're being exploited. You're being mm-hmm. overcharged mm-hmm. for things that cost possibly a tenth of what you're paying for it. Yeah. Maybe even less than that. Mm-hmm. And it's your own stupid fault. I have no sympathy for you. <laughs> And join us next week. (laughs) It simply does not do what it says it does. In terms of... Measuring ghosts. Yes, in terms of... Yeah, I would say a lot of it does do something. Oh, a K2 meter will tell you when there's a... Where your wires are in your wall. It'll tell you that. And a thermometer will let you measure the temperature. (laughs) That's all true. But you're paying more for it because some genius online... (laughs) (laughs) Like, takes us back to the whole to dolls, doesn't it? Yeah. But I'm happy to wear the counter to that. You know, I'm happy to, without, probably beyond argument with it. Yeah. You know, I'm probably beyond even, I'll just sit and shake my head yeah. with, with that sort of thing. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm the ideal counter to it. You have to use it, don't you? That's yeah. The, so that's the thing with you. Oh, we've not mentioned that you've had your big announcement this week. Do you want to announce your television programme? I would love Finally, to. Yes. That we've had to skirt around yeah. for months. God, I know. It's been hard, hasn't it? Weirdly hard, I think. Yeah. Because it's been weirdly secretive. It has. For what it actually is, I think it's been yeah. weirdly secretive. Yeah. Well, it's it's out as of uh, 2nd of October okay. on Discovery+. Plus. Yeah, I don't think I get that. Oh, shush. <laughs> um, it is Jack Osborne's Haunted Homecoming. Yeah, who's in that? <laughs> Is in that one. Yeah. Have you not spoken to him about that? Because aren't you in it as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, I am. It's me and Jack Osborne. <laughs> Who you know in it? Yeah. <laughs> Who you know in this business? So lovely lad, sound lad, eh? He is. Yeah. He's genuinely really yeah. nice, down to earth, yeah, normal bloke. Yeah. So it was. Um, I know people always say, "Hey, it was so much fun to record an experience," but yeah. it genuinely was. It was yeah. lovely, and the whole crew were were fab. So it's it's amazing that it's finally out there. Yeah. It's one of them, isn't it, where a note of trepidation for me with that, because Mm. it's, again, going back to how we've both been feeling at the moment about that community. I know. (laughs) You've literally (laughs) just had a stake wrapped around your neck and thrown to them. (laughs) So uh, are you you prepped for that sort of eventuality? Do you feel prepped for that? Yeah, I think I'm I'm ready for it, because I I genuinely believe that the show, what we made, is a damn good solid show yeah yeah, yeah. i think it's really different to a lot of other ghost hunting shows because we're not going in screaming into the darkness saying you know demons have at it you know we're doing history we're doing a lot of personal stuff We're we're showing how equipment works or doesn't work yeah and you know we're not forcing anything so it's quite genuine really from that so you you had to use equipment within that show yeah well they obviously it was jack and and his team have got far more equipment yeah. than, than I could ever have. They brought these big flight cases full of stuff. So just from that perspective, you'd have a go with it, wouldn't you? No. Oh, okay. Well, I <laughs> no, did. No, I wouldn't, but I appreciate your contractually <laughs> obliged. 
No, but I'm, I'm not saying that you did it because you're contractually obliged. Because I know your interest in this is different to yes, mine. So, yeah. so I know that, yes, you would definitely yeah. have a go with it. And you would probably put some stock in it as well, to a certain degree. Of course. So, that, I mean, that is completely where we would differ on it. Yeah. I think it's an exciting thing for you, for definite. Mm-hmm. I also think it's an interesting thing for you to be in something like that in a very positive way. Yes. Because you're not fawning. In yeah. those scenarios. Now, a few of the reviews of, that have come out already have been really positive of, of kind of the attitudes that, that both of us have yeah. to things. We're not, we haven't got like confirmation bias to each other. Oh, yeah, because well, he's not all like ghosted up though, is he, in his head? You know, he's, he's quite no. sceptical really, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think we're both really just sceptical believers. And yeah. when it comes to kit, you know, especially some of the more high-end stuff, it's just exciting to be able to think, okay, well, what if, if we think that ghosts, if they exist are collections of energy, you know, electromagnetic energy, mm. then this will measure electromagnetic energy. Can we incite a reaction from this? Yeah. You know, and I think it, it's, it shows you how ghost hunting can be, that it's not all running into caves and screaming, that actually it's kind of debunking your own evidence. Do you think part of the issue with ghost hunting kits and equipment, speaking primarily of the electronic sort of devices and things, Yes. Do you think that one of the major flaws in them Mm. is the same major flaw that I have using Adobe? (laughs) (laughs) Which is, ultimately... The monthly subscription fee. I know, but that does crucify me. But but ultimately, the people using the kit don't really understand the kit. (laughs) So they know how to turn it on. Yes. They could maybe make five-minute puppet. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. At a push. Yeah. If they work really hard all the way through the night. But ultimately, they don't really understand the kit and don't yeah. appear to be learning anything about it either. Yeah. Again, I'm using the metaphor of yeah. Adobe for yeah. I try really hard, though. That's what I will say yeah. in my defence. Yeah. I, well, I honestly don't think it's a daft analogy because I think certainly when you get into these more expensive you know, bits of kit that have multiple functions, yeah. like things that are melmeters or MF1s that have multiple functions like EMF, yeah. like temperature, like vibration. Yeah. I think there's there's an element of pride that when you get one of these things, you've just got to go in going, I know exactly where to put this. Oh, completely. Well, there's also, I used to do that quite, I don't do it so much nowadays, but I used to do that certainly in my, my early 20s or whatever, Yeah. where I would, if I felt in a bit of a rut at work, like I needed a bit of kick up the arse, I need to do some writing, I need to do whatever, yeah. I need a new computer, is what it would be. And it was almost yeah. like getting a new computer... Mm-hmm. was the end of it it was like yeah right i have got a new computer so now well where's the book i don't know where it yeah. is well, <laughs> yeah didn't yeah, that yeah. come with it does that you know do, do i not get a book that i yeah. wrote now straight away yeah you know that it's the the tool that you use supposedly to get to the end product becomes the end product yeah and I, I think a lot of people get into that sort of rut with equipment they'll use the same equipment in the same way for years yeah not get responses or really have to eke out responses and then wonder why they haven't captured anything that really excites them. But you can't get responses in a place where all those other things could trigger it off. Yeah. There are so many things that can trigger it off that have nothing to do with your narrative yeah. of ghosts. There's, you know, your creative narrative, yeah. by the way. Uh, yeah, it's I not think... a scientific narrative, that's creative narrative. So you can put them in all the bags you want and say, well, this bag blocks out this, that and the other. Oh. It, and it's, it's just like, you don't know what you're using and you also don't 
understand why that would mean there was a ghost there because it's just something you've been told yeah you don't yeah. understand the science yourself and if you actually looked at the science yourself they, like i'm not, not exaggerating mm-hmm. i think that everyone there's a fair few mm-hmm. everyone i've ever discussed kits with yes has been completely unable to explain it what mm-hmm. it what it is and what it does yeah. they will give me two sentences which they've read off the side of the packet okay and be, beyond that no idea. Okay. It's all stuff they've just been told. Okay. So they have no applied knowledge or understanding of what it does. Yeah. And have accepted too many things mm-hmm. as law. Yes. Which are completely unprovable. Well, I've used a lot of kit. Yeah. So let's go through it. Let, well, let's go back to the beginning of this. Why is there yeah. an acceptance that ghosts give off stuff that is measurable scientifically? It's just different schools of thought. The problem is, at the minute, like you're saying, Mm. scientifically, scientifically proven, Mm. is a really dangerous thing that's thrown around in the kind of the paranormal community. Right. At the minute, there was very recently someone who was trying to sell some equipment and apps. Apps are a really big thing at the minute in the paranormal that are so divisive. (laughs) They're very aggressive. There is no divide there. Well, there are people that believe that your phone can magically have these functions. And there are other people that believe that this is an absolute waste of time and is putting even more bad press onto the paranormal community. Yeah, I'm not bothered about the bad press of the paranormal community. Your phone cannot do that. It is a telephone. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But there have been individuals who have been promoting and selling their apps and their equipment with little graphics that Mm. say scientifically proven. Mm. Now, for all of my love of the paranormal and the esoterotic, I can't sit and say, I love ghost hunting, I love all of this, and not acknowledge that bloke in the corner that's trying to sell you a ghost version of Angry Birds by Mm. saying that some scientist somewhere said it was real. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I went a little bit quiet there is because I was thinking about whether or not to talk about something. Okay. And I think I will, but I'm going to be careful how I word it. Okay. Because whilst I would win the lawsuit, I can't be asked with the lawsuit. No. So in the movie, there was a piece of kit. And I think this is, again, it, it, this is relevant to what you're talking about with apps and things. Yes. In terms of how these things work. Like extra functions that have been claimed. Yeah. So it's basically what happened was, in post-production of the movie, mm-hmm. there was a piece of kit that was used in the movie that had to be completely disassembled because we needed to get something out of the kit. It was mm-hmm. to do with audio, is what it was to yeah. do with. So the sound chap on the movie, lovely guy called Danny, he took apart this piece of kit. Mm-hmm. He understands this better than I. I wouldn't be able to do this. Yeah. Although there were several times I was tempted to smash it open against the wall. <laughs> but he, so he took it apart and essentially yeah. back-engineered it. So he went back through it. Mm. And found how it worked. Yeah. Right? The reason it's relevant is because what he found Mm. of how that worked completely contradicted the claim of what the machine said it would do. Yes. Because it was randomised. Yeah. It was pre-wrecked. It was... There were so many things in it that are like, well, that's not... (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's basically no different... To my DJ Rex Bluetooth speaker, yeah. which when you press buttons, it will say one of many phrases. Yes, yeah. Completely randomly. Yeah. And that's what you're buying. Now, if I went upstairs right now, yeah. and literally couldn't connect a device on Bluetooth with it, yeah. and then cracked it open and we found out that it had no Bluetooth capabilities <laughs> whatsoever, I'd be really annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think when we talk about word banks in particular, yeah. 
I think word banks and apps are kind of in, in the same family at the minute where they can only be pre-programmed. Right. They can't have sensors in them. Yeah. Because for, to have a, a word bank that could say anything, then we're getting into AI territory again and you wouldn't get that for but, but you, you 300 may, quid. But you may have, not with an app, but with a device, you may have a situation where it will have a temperature gauge in it. So if it, yes. if it, it engages, yeah. that it, temperature is dropped. Yeah. If, for example, I don't know, you're in a castle or an empty house. <laughs> <laughs> it might have something that will register when the temperature's dropped. Yeah, well, I think... say it's cold yeah. or whatever. I, I think there is a bit of a difference between kit that has sensors mm. and kit that is randomised. Yeah. And so with... with things... Well, it can be randomised from a sensor, so what I'm saying oh, is... Of course. A, a I mean, the, spark yes. it, yeah, yeah. but then you get one of a, ran, a random... Yeah, I mean, the, the audio output... Yeah. Um, is is randomised. I think, yeah, you can't really put too much credence on that unless you're just seeing it as whatever they say doesn't matter because that's a signal of a change in X, Y and Z. Mm. You know, so if you want to measure temperature and in your interpretation of, of the paranormal, you believe that a rise or a drop in temperature signals something spooky going on, then I think you can trust that sensor to deliver that information. Yeah. But it's what you do with that information that leads us into esoterotic territory. Let's jump to that then, because okay. you're the historian, Clever Clogs. Thank you. So I have two questions, and they're quite big actually. So okay. one is, how far back does this go in terms mm-hmm. of using kit yeah. to decide if there's a ghost present? Yeah. You're no longer relying on a flickering candle when you're actually mm-hmm. going using things. actual yeah, yeah. kits. So how, how far back does that go? And my second question is, what are the origins, if you know, by the way, what are yeah. the origins of attributing like electromagnetic frequency or temperature drops or whatever it is? Yeah. When did that happen? When that started being attributed, that goes carried that mm-hmm. as a trait to what they are? Yeah. When and how was that decided? Yeah. I'm not asking you to prove or argue it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just just saying, broadly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think most things that are ghost related can be traced back to kind of really the earliest ghost hunters like, well, really the first ghost hunter in the in the traditional term is a, a woman, a woman called Catherine Crow, right. who was loathed by Dickens. Right. So really, even if we go as far back as, as mesmerism, yeah. which is kind of like 18th century, so it predates the spiritualist movement as we know it, and, and mesmerism was kind of this very weird sort of treatment method thought of by Franz Mesmer. Right. And he thought up the theory of animal magnetism, which sounds like a sexy thing. It's not. It's kind of the, the broad idea that there's this invisible force that okay. is, is possessed by all living things. Right, okay. I'm astounded that mesmerism comes from the name, from his surname. Yeah. I had no idea of that. I thought it was just the existing word. No. There you go. That's fun fact of the day. Yeah, from his surname. Yeah. yeah. And so it's it's all living things. We're talking okay. animals, humans, a courgette. You right. know, there's there's everything. And so this magnetism. It's the force, isn't it? Really? It's, it's the force. We're the talking force. about the force. We now, are talking. We? we are. We are talking yeah. about the force. Yeah. And you can use the force. Yeah. So it it could be harnessed to have physical effects. It can be used for healing. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in on all yeah. this. <laughs> But just yeah. go back, you did. You definitely said I could use the force. You could right? use the force, dude. You could use the force. <laughs> no, I'm not in. But isn't that an interesting thing? Yeah. That little spark of relativity to me, when I was like, I could relate it to something that I liked. Yes. And, you, and it was reframed in a different way. Made me go, ooh, now, now I want it to be real. <laughs> so, and it kind of, it's very similar in treatment to things like Reiki, the sort of like laying on of hands yeah. and... 
and the people that practiced it would okay. be magnetizers or mesmerists and yeah. would try and control this. And so I suppose a lot of the idea that any living things have this inherent sort of electromagnetic quality to them yeah. kind of comes back from that because it's measurable. So you measurable, can see what the loophole is straight away here. That so, it's so a pseudoscience that's never been proven. But no, not just that. Oh. I mean, that obviously, that, <laughs> that, I mean, that one goes without saying, really. Yes. But, but the loophole that I see in that is, but we're talking about things that are alive. We're talking about, you know, people who are alive, yeah. who are the people who are also going to be controlling the kit. So how are you going to stop your, the force, <laughs> <laughs> interfering with the kit yes. just to get the specific force of the ghosts? <laughs> well, I suppose that's why you program the kit and then you put it somewhere and you stand away from it. <laughs> So your yeah. animal magnetism, magnetic fluid, yeah. does not interfere with the ghost. Well, you said all things, fluid. though, so what if there's a cucumber in the yeah. corner? <laughs> you know, if it surrounds well, us, exactly. penetrates us and binds the galaxy yeah. together, then <laughs> what, what, how can you possibly control yeah. where that goes to? And before anyone says it, it's not by putting it in a bag. <laughs> because the bag will also have it in it. If we are listening to old Barbie Mesmer over here... <laughs> Well, after mesmerism, when you get the spiritualist movement, and yeah. that's when you get more tangible sort of people saying, right, there's a ghost there, I'm speaking to them, I can bring ghosts into the room, yeah. and you get like ectoplasm, things being produced. Yeah. That's when you start getting more more tangible okay. ghost hunting kit, rather than just theories of, if you put all these men in this mini jacuzzi, you can measure the animal magnetism and the fluid and stuff. Right. I'd like to ask Mesmer a lot of questions if he was alive today. Is that today. what happened? Is that what, what you did? It's worth reading up a lot of the, the young people oh, he utilised in his experiences. So if, so if we're loosely attributing that as being the primary place where this idea of them... I'd say, as far as I okay, would well, measure well, it, well, let, of course... Let's, let's allow for an element of yes, doubt that you, yeah, yeah. you might not be right that it, that was the first yeah. time that was. But if, if we're going to loosely apply that to it... So, yeah. Let's say it was around that. That's certainly a story of a time where it originated from somewhere. Yeah. So kit-wise, when did that become a thing? If we see... Using tools. Yeah. Obviously, there's things like dowsing rods and very yeah. rudimentary things that were used yeah. uh, ages before then that were kind of applied to different belief systems, like religious belief systems. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know with them. They, they just seem like a novelty item to Yeah, me, they're being really. used a lot today as a means to give yes or no answers in spirit communication. So yeah. for yes, cross the rods. For no, widen the rods, that yeah. sort of thing. So a lot of these really basic tools, if we use them, are being reattributed and constantly reused and tested in, in different yes, ways. Yes, no answers are always very interesting, I find, in terms of investigating the paranormal and that sort of business. When you say, just just give us a yes or a no. Yeah. Even to a Ouija board point of view. Because the thing I think, which I would consider a loophole to it as well, is... Yes, no answers require no clarification. So yes, no answers. Yeah. Basically, it doesn't matter what it answers. Yeah. Because you could ask, are you here now? And it could say no. And then everyone could be like, well, that's what, or maybe they mean that, that they're physically not here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the answers don't mean anything. There are so many variables mm. to very defined, weirdly, answers. Yeah. So, yes, no answers are foolproof. All you need is a device that will give you one or the other. Yeah. That's all you need. Literally be a little box that's the yes, no box that you press the button and it goes scanning. Yeah. <laughs> says that. <laughs> and then says yes. It's no more yeah. scientific than a well, magic eight ball. Most, really, if you, if you boil it down, a, a lot of contemporary paranormal equipment are yes, no machines. So if yeah. you're using, you know, a REM pod, which is that kind of, I would always say it's like a, a theremin, really. It's right. a biscuit tin with an aerial. Yeah. And if you go near it and you break that 
um, electromagnetic field near the aerial, it makes a sound and it lights up. Right. The only real way that you can use those is in the affirmative or okay. the negative. So, you know, is there anyone there? Something will go near it to signify a bleep. You know, right. all of these things, if you use geophones, anything that will measure vibration, anything that measures temperatures, the only real way that you can use them is to know if there's something there and then yes or no responses. And I think that's why people throw themselves a lot more into things like word banks, because if all you're getting the rest of the time is yes and no... Mm you know, and knocks and bleeps and things that aren't words and sentences. You one day get umbrella, you'll lose your mind. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. So people Monster. will Monster. <laughs> Danger. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so divided rods, maybe, so around that time, because I presume it wasn't, back in those days, it wouldn't be electric equipment, would it? Electronic equipment. No, no, I mean, even with Ouija boards, you know, of course we know that flat sort of spirit board things were around for a long time before that patent, but... Mm. You know, even when you go back into different cultures, especially a lot of, um, I think, East Asian cultures, had sort of similar equipment, similar methodologies for contacting what they believed was their, their spirits, their ancestors. So right. there have been means of, of spiritual communication and, and reverence for spirits and ancestral spirits mm. for centuries. So that's, that's nothing new. And, the, you know, the Victorians certainly didn't invent that. But in spiritualism itself... The equipment that started to come out then was mainly used to identify whether or not people who claimed to be mediums or claimed to have these special powers mm. were legitimate. You'd get more sort of accordions in cages. and It would be very rudimentary. But certainly when we get into Harry Price territory, kind of turn of the century, that's when we start getting someone who is actively going out and making electronic equipment to measure the claims of mediums. Okay. You know I have these fleeting obsessions with with disgraced mediums. There was a medium called Frederick Munnings who said he was a direct voice medium and also he produced ectoplasm. And Harry Price created this piece of equipment to measure these spirit voices and where they were coming from Okay. to then see if these claims were real. They weren't because Harry Price's equipment realised that they were all from the same source. Right. So I suppose that could be seen as kind of proto-ghost hunting equipment, because Harry Price is often cited as the first ghost hunter in, in the modern sense. So did Harry Price then, so he was a tech guy, really? He had he had those skills to him? Yeah, well, he had a, he had a lab, you know, that he was always pictured in. And we've got a lab, mate. And was creating <laughs> these things to measure things with. You know, of course, all the people at the same time, had been doing that for a long time. You know, the yeah, SPR that... had been around for a, a long time yeah, before that. Yeah, but he that. was a celebrity, wasn't he? Yes, but, yeah. So, but he, I presume he put stock in it. I presume that he believed in it, that what it was saying it did, it did. In yeah. terms of this light coming on does mean this. Fact. Yes. He created a lot of his own equipment. I should warn you at this point, by the mm-hmm. way, we're going to lose Celebrity Sounds Corner again. Oh, you're kidding. That's fair warning. Oh. I've looked at the recording times. I, I think we're going to have to nudge gone? it again. Oh. This is an absolute disgrace. I'm sorry for interfering in this section. I'm sorry for bring myself here. Simply, simply. <laughs> bring my stick. <laughs> what stick? The one I beat you with, simply. Bring it through. Thank you, simply. Ow! <laughs> what was that for? Just a little reminder, simply. <laughs> okay, any of you two muppets in here? That's Kate, Dr. Ian. <laughs> You see, I got this big stick, right? <laughs> you can see I got this big stick. We're doing slippers as well. <laughs> we can't. We haven't got time for it at oh. all. We are doing slippers as well. Kate has done all the research. I'm very flinty. 
I don't think we've got time. It's up to you. I'll, I'm going to give Dr. Kate the decision. King, just go into the room. Okay, I'll be in the other room, but I'm listening. <laughs> Can I come, King? Simply walk six steps behind me. <laughs> there they go, right? Here's your choice right at this moment. Oh, don't put this on me. Here's your choice. We can carry on with this, because it's interesting. Yeah. The kit thing, we can carry that on. Yeah. Or we can stop it right now, mm. make it into a two-parter, mm-hmm. if you think there's enough to talk about the kit for next week. Okay. And still do Celebrity Sounds Corner, or we can next week make sure that Celebrity Sounds Corner is done at the start of the episode to make sure it's done. This your feels call. like a lot of pressure right on my now. shoulders. Right now. Make the call. Uh, Make the call, bitch. (laughs) Elvis, we don't speak to women like that. Appreciate you might think that's okay. Bitch, make the call. No, Elvis. Please. Please don't do that. Sorry, Kate. I do apologise. You know what? You know what? I'm going to say let's do it properly next week. Because I will not be spoken to like that. I agree. Well, let's crack on with the kit conversation. Let's take it to the end of the episode. Let's go. (laughs) Do you feel like we're losing Celebrity Sounds Corner? Do you feel like it's actually slipping away? Because this will be two weeks now. I know. I miss it. She she really does. Do you hear that then? (laughs) You know, it's been a a hard week. Yeah, no, I know it has. I know it actually genuinely has. Um, So So, Harry Price. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. yeah. Because he's cited so much as like the modern ghost hunter on which so many yeah. people model themselves. So a quick recap on Harry Price. He was a celebrity ghost hunter. Celebrity ghost hunter. <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in whatever decade he sort of came about first off. When was it? Like 50s, 60s, something like that? Oh no, before that. It was, was big it in the 20s. Yeah. Was it? Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. Right, so way, way back. Wrote lots of books and things. Was a personality for sure. Yes. You, probably your first UK-based celebrity ghost hunter. Yes, yeah. and it wasn't anything that just casually fell into his lap. He stated, I think we've said before, he stated from the off that he wanted to be significant, he wanted to be famous. Yeah, yeah we did. We, we spoke about him in relation to you. He was a prototype Yuri Geller, wasn't he, in many ways. Yeah, In yeah. terms of the way he... Oh, that's just reminded me. I knew something was bothering me. Somebody left a comment about Yuri Geller. Stephen Harper, here's a comment that I didn't read this out. Love the episode. Made me wonder, when we take over Yuri Geller's island and install you or Kate as president, <laughs> yeah. we will need an economy and old Tamagotchi's sell for quite good money now. Maybe some form of digital <laughs> pet grave robber unit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. Sorry. I do apologise if Stephen turned off the episode after hearing the comments <laughs> went, oh, fine, don't mention my comment, then fine, I'm going, not listening to this ever again. Somebody tell Stephen we mentioned it eventually. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we spoke about Price as a prototype Geller in terms of applying tactical ambition yes to become a thing yeah he was you know incredibly successful and became mainstream he became the face of ghost hunting so he had to have his full like batsuit then didn't he he had to have his utility belt full of yeah you know kit and things <laughs> yeah he had to have his the... well yeah club his security vest yeah full of his gadgets and you know a lot of his publicity photos a lot of his pictures were from his lab where he was surrounded by these impressive looking gadgets so like they proper spengler like proper like yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah and in the scientific community mm-hmm. was there a response to that at the time i think if we go back to the to the spr you know the society for psychical research as much yeah. as they're kind of dismissed for investigating ghosties yeah a lot of people within the the spr were and are well-respected scientists okay. who 
have that background to be able to measure things and to be able to understand the actual scientific basis behind some of these theories. So I think there was a bit of a uh, an unpleasant relationship behind someone who was going out there, making their own kit, grabbing all the headlines, saying, mm. here's a ghost, here's a spectral mongoose. And the bloke who is working maybe in a university or in a larger lab or, or business who's saying, well, I'm actually doing things scientifically yeah. and it my work is given no credence compared to the stuff that is said to give these big shiny results and that was stated publicly there's plenty of correspondence from the time of harry price's yeah. heyday that condemns his methods and his you know his personality as well. i don't know why i don't like the spr but there's something mm. I, I, i've not nailed it myself i don't i won't be able to explain it to you now yeah i don't know why i don't like them but there's just there's a feel to the SPR, because it's still an ongoing thing, right? Yeah, I'm a member of it. Yeah, well, yeah. okay. Oh, I'm, uh... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just... Sorry. I, do, I feel like, it just feels like, do you know what it feels like? Go on. And I think you might be a member of this as well. It feels like the Dennis the Menace fan club. <laughs> I am a lifetime member of the Beano no, club. Like, so there you. we go. So, it feels like that. You know, you don't even get badges and a little membership card But there's no the door policy to it. <laughs> Any idiot can join it. You can. And I think a lot of people yeah. are daft and think it means that the Ghostbusters now. Like, do, do you know? No, I, I'm completely with you on this. Completely is that with right, you. though? Because that's yeah. just a feeling I get. No, no, no. I'm, I'm completely with you on this because this is something that I've seen. I never thought of at the time because it is, it is like the Beano Club, but yeah. without the membership number, which okay. genuinely frustrates me. I'm sorry. It's all right. BNO 19727 if you want to check my Beano Club member. <laughs> I asked you recently if you knew your national insurance number. <laughs> no, I don't. And you didn't know it. Well, I know my have been Okay, well, you're losing credibility by the second, so maybe get yourself back yeah, on track. so sorry. Uh, the SPR, ASAP, the Ghost Club, they're kind of like the, the three big hitters in, okay. in the UK, kind of study this sort of thing. Basically, just to join and to gain access to their archives, their talks, their magazines, things like that. Yeah. Anyone could join. You just pay a rudimentary fee and then you're in. You know, yeah. it, it's different. It's when you get, you know, nominated to be on the boards of things, that's when you need to have people yeah. backing you up and backing your work up and there are actual tick boxes of things you should have achieved in order to get to this level. Yeah, I don't want to sound but, like someone who says that like how equity used to be and that sort of thing. I don't oh, want to no, sound like no, no, no. it should be a closed shop to people and you'd have to really jump through hoops to get into it. No. But I do think at a similar time as well. It's also, it, it seems to dilute it to me and, and people that are mouthy about being in the SPR, it's yes. like, you, what are you showing off about? Exactly, not... yeah. That's what I have an issue with. It's all three, Ghost Club, SPR, ASAP, are all amazing societies to join for resources, yeah, for okay. networking, yeah. for resources. What you get from it? What you get from it, I would say, definitely get involved with all of them. If you're interested in that, they're fantastic. But just by joining up doesn't mean you suddenly get a special sticker that means you're a scientist now. Your computer won't write your book. Yeah, exactly. And it really is. And I've seen the same, you know, a lot of people promoting themselves online saying, well, I'm a paid up member of the SPR. Yeah, it's it's weird that, isn't it? It's like showing off that you've got Amazon Prime. Exactly. It is. So you might be able to access oh, some well, brilliant documentaries. Thank you for pinpointing that, because I couldn't work out what it was. And I think, it, again, it wasn't the organisation that I've got a problem with, I suppose. It was the people. It's always the people, isn't it? Isn't it, isn't it though? Always yeah, the people. Yeah, but it's... I, and I think that's 
that's where it's a bit of a shame that these organisations will get tarred with the brush of idiots saying, well, well, I'm a member of this, so therefore you should take me seriously. Yeah. Being present at a festival doesn't make you a rock star. Yeah, okay. So what do we reckon then? Going back to the subject in hand. Mm-hmm. Kit. Ghost hunting kit. Yes. I've had some really dull nights Yeah. with ghost hunting kit where it's been going off or people have brought cat balls yeah. to events, you know. I've had some really dull nights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where other people believe that they're raising the dead and I'm just sat there going, you're staring at a cat toy yeah, okay. for two and a half hours. You know, yeah. I've had those. But on the flip side, I have had some really interesting interactions okay. where me and a few friends believe that we have received intelligent responses via a piece of electronic equipment. Right. So via a uh, an MF1. Right? Well, I don't know what an MF1 is a handheld piece of paranormal equipment combines temperature readings, vibration readings and EMF. So it's a bit of kind of a Swiss army knife. Right. Of <laughs> of ghost bothering. You know, and this so is pointless this discussion wasn't it? <laughs> So pointless. We've literally got nowhere with this, have we? But so I, we, have, we uh, say all that, all that intelligent chat. You say some intelligent stuff that you know it, it's all in there. Yeah. And at the end of it, you go, "Got this machine that does all these different things." And I think I spoke to a ghost. <laughs> I said we got some interesting pointless. responses. Absolutely pointless. <laughs> Fine. Do you know? But this is what Janet's saying about you, though, about the Ouija boards. If you understand all this, how can you possibly go into a room with a bit of electric equipment and think you're speaking also, to a ghost? That's nice. But also, Ian and Janny, yeah. if that is your real name, yeah. I'm not being confrontational about it. No, I know. And also, I think this is all fits under the banner of let people enjoy things. Yeah. Do you know what? I think I just hate somewhere deep down in me that someone is sat, as we speak, at their kitchen table, mm. making yet another one of these things and laughing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, do you know what I mean? I don't like yeah. that. Much as I don't really care whether these mouthy people in the paranormal community or yeah. insidious people in the paranormal community. Yes, yeah. Whilst I don't care if they're getting stung in the pocket, and I really, you know, obviously I really don't. Yeah. But I also, at the same time, don't like the idea of anyone being laughed at in such a cynical way. Yeah, it's a, there's of a, course. There's a weird duality yeah. to yeah, that yeah. for me. That I think I just don't like anyone. <laughs> <laughs> And that was Loopholes episode nine. Thank you very much for listening. And we would love for you to get in touch wow. and join the lovely happy clappy discussion. I don't know, that's not, you can probably gauge from this episode so far. <laughs> it's not really, I, I literally don't like anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but let's keep that energy can up. Can you just give Come out, on. just this week, can you just give out your personal email address and you, you can have that discussion? <laughs> not a them. cat in hell's chance. So, get in touch. You can, as ever, leave comments on our Patreons, yeah. which are patreon.com forward slash Ian Boldsworth and patreon.com forward slash Burials and Beyond. That one's me. You can leave us comments there or you can find us on Facebook at Loopholes Podcast, Instagram at Loopholes Pod, Twitter at Loopholes Pod, or you can send us a lengthy email at loopholespodcast at gmail.com. And do like and follow us on those things because it all does help. Does it though? It does, and it's nice and it makes us feel loved. It's put me in a really bad mood. Oh, this episode. Just put the kettle on. <laughs> Come on now. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Dr. Kate Cheryl. <laughs> and we'll speak to you next week. Idiots. <laughs> <laughs>
Loopholes is an Infinite Hermit production in association with Burials and Beyond, with Kate Cheryl and Ian Boltworth. Music by Thomas Thunderay, produced by Ian Bolsworth.